Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Jones! Bowden! He's got it! England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins! Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four and England have won the match! Hello and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. This podcast I promised you the other day was going to be about bats and it still is going to be about bats, uh, maybe about wider bats, looking at how Middlesex have gone again uh, today in the county championship, my old county, four for four and 20 for four against Essex at Laws and today 11 for four, having batted first against Northampton at Northampton. So... uh, (laughs) Not doing too well. They don't seem to like first division cricket all that much at the moment. Anyway, as I say, we are going to talk bats in a bit with Ian Bell, in fact, who I caught up with uh, a week or so ago, now Derbyshire batting coach. And he was out in Desert Springs at a warm-up game and I talked to him about his taste and choice of bats and and so on. But I just thought I'd tell you about an interesting development first in the game and English cricket is famous for its innovations. Of course, it was the foundation of Hawkeye and the Snickometer and uh, ultra slow-mo pictures and so on. Um, Very much has been an innovative force in the game. And the same man who introduced Hawkeye, Paul Hawkins, former minor county cricketer, he has come up with another ingenious idea connected to Hawkeye, which is being trialled at the moment in the county championship. You might see, if you've been looking at the streams over the last few days, a little black device on umpire's pockets. And that actually, if you haven't heard already, is a GoPro, uh, a specially adapted GoPro camera, which is essentially a portable version of Hawkeye. It's called iHawk. And the idea behind it is that the counties can get all the data, all the information all the graphics and so on from the conventional Hawkeye, the one we've become accustomed to in Test Cricket, International Cricket. You can get that feed now as a, a county director of cricket, coach, player, uh, you know, analyst, etc. They can get all that data now from the umpires who have to basically stay quite still behind the bowler's arm and the GoPro produces a feed, uh, every ball, which is then sent into the cloud and finally ends up on a computer somewhere and can be analysed at a later date. I guess it's the forerunner of what could be DRS for county cricket, but it's an interesting innovation. It's certainly being trialled at the moment 
at most county matches. Uh, so actually, it's it's part of a sort of general level of innovation in that area. There is also a device called Full Track, which you can get on your phone. It's an app, and uh, many counties use it. I know Derbyshire, for instance, use it. It's only really for training. But again, it's an iPhone, which can be adapted to create Hawkeye images. So you position it on a tripod or hold it in the nets, and it can film a bowler and then produce a track of his delivery, where it pitched, his consistency, speed, etc. Quite an interesting development. That's actually been uh, out there for a year or so. You obviously have to pay for it, full track. It's available on the App Store. And uh, it was devised, I think, by two Harvard graduates, two Indians who studied at Harvard and then came up with this technology. So that's one version which you can certainly use in practice, but nothing has been available until now in a match situation until this iHawk idea conceived by Paul Hawkins. So I caught up with Paul today, actually, just to ask him how it's going and to describe exactly what the iHawk device is iHawk has evolved over a number of years. Actually, it started off um, with an umpire wearing a mobile phone and through various iterations of technical and practical, we've, we've evolved to a GoPro, um, which the umpire has on his chest. Um, and the, the umpire has a small little mirror so he can look down and line up the camera um, correctly. Obviously, some umpires tilt forwards as the ball is coming in and another stand up quite straight. So they 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 line up the camera according to their pose as the bowler's bowling. Um, and obviously, there's a few iterations of trying to make that really practical and easy for the umpire. And then um, the, the, the the GoPro is triggered various different ways of triggering the, the system, but it's integrated into the scoring system, which all the counties used use. So that creates a five second video clip which goes from the GoPro up to the cloud. And then once the video's in the cloud, then it's sort of like much more back into core Hawkeye kind of stuff. Um, if we take that video and do our ball and um, player, all the biomechanics tracking. Um, it's the only thing we've ever done where the tracking's done with just one camera. Um, but we can use the fact that the camera's very close to the, the release of the ball. So the size of the ball changes quite a lot from when it's released to arriving at the batsman so so we use the change in size of the ball to help give us the third dimension that we we don't get um when we have multiple cameras wow um, that, that sounds a really complicated bit of yeah. physics or maths or both yes yeah it, it is um but, but the nice thing about software development is you only have to do it once <laughs> and then it's done um and rather going so so yeah and you know the system isn't as reliable as our core system but obviously it's uh much more practical much more affordable um and as as we roll out and get some air miles under the system and both you know our side of things the analyst side of things we've got to charge batteries and, and look after the kit in between games and the umpires getting the internet good at all of the ground so we can get the clips uploaded i think all the teething kind of issues will will um will improve it will never be as reliable as our full system, but but um, will it be reliable that you know all the teams can use it? You know, it's a it's well into the 95, 98% of balls being bowled, which is enough for them to to be you know analysing the data and seeing patterns and and working on improving their players, which is really what it's all about. How easy was it to persuade the umpires to do it, given they they have quite a lot to look to look after these days? Although, of course. Uh, you know there are lots of things taken care of in international cricket but in domestic cricket they still have quite a lot of responsibilities 
I would say you know, any change in any for anyone you know, comes with 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 some resistance and any walk of life that's natural human nature. You know, what goes for us is you know, when we went up to Manchester to meet with all the the umpires before the season is you know there's a massive passion for the game amongst the umpires. A lot of them are obviously former cricketers and whether they played or or not, they're all lovers of the game. You know, it's not the kind of job you do just for the for the paycheck and you know Robert Key's been very much behind this all of them they see the performance side of 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 it so ultimately they they are part of the team of doing something which we hope is good for the game so you know that's one side of it obviously there's the other side of it of you know something else to wear and get used to and be be comfortable with and the concern of whether it increases um the or you know, the, the 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 challenge of the, the player umpire relationship and if if um if a, a batsman can can see more clearly whether um, a right or wrong LBW decision was made, and does that does that create increased tension? But all of the the counters have been um, very much steered a, a, away from going down that road. I mean, I think that's probably the the single biggest cause that might 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 scupper it, and it'd be a real shame if it does. But you know, at the moment, an umpire would be more accurate and certainly more reliable than our system. So. So you know, it's it's um, it's 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 a guide. It's there. It's accurate enough for for coaching purposes and pitch maps and beehives and stuff like that. But it's not DRS. So it's not uh, at the moment feasible for an umpire to look back at a a ball because obviously it's just being transmitted live into the cloud, and you can't sort of look back at a delivery afterwards and check whether it was out LW or not. Oh no, no, that you absolutely can look back. You know, once it's up at the cloud, the ECB have developed a, um, a piece of ECB depth, which all of the umpires, all of the players, all of the coaches have, so they can look at the video and data of every ball. You know, they already have that, and the the other. Coaches what I mean is, they can't do it instantaneously. Oh no, no, no. out in the middle. No, no, and at some grounds, the model will be that. Well, you know, if the internet's not that great, we'll just keep all of the clips just essentially on the GoPro until lunch, and then at lunch they'll get downloaded. You know, if, if the internet, the, the, so, so yes, yeah, so there's there's no um, um, prospect of it, it being done, done live. You know, how it will evolve, I don't know. Like of the the bits of the LBW that are relevant, whether it pitched outside leg stump would be the, by far the easiest bit for us to do pretty reliably. Um, whether he got an inside edge or not, very difficult. Whether it hit him in line, pretty easy. Where it passed the stumps actually breaks down that that knowing the line of whether it missed off or leg stump is relatively easy. Whether it went over the top is slightly harder. So, um, so if it ever did become an, an officiating tool, it would probably you know come in in stages. Um, how we're cl um, capturing clips at the moment doesn't facilitate this but it'd be an easy extension to look at doing runouts and stumpings using um you know, the, the the square leg umpire um, and, 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 and but at the moment it's just a, a tool mainly for performance analytics for the teams and and i guess umpires as well yes absolutely that's um you know the the ecb have used our data at the international um level for a number of years to make players better obviously inform selections and 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 strategies in terms of see both england players and opposition players um and and they've got quite used to using that that data now from an ecb's perspective if you're thinking about calls up to the england squad lion squads um you know or or under 19s whatever it, whatever it might be having the same set of data so it's easier to make 
like for like comparisons you know a scorecard can be quite misleading you have good figures but you know <laughs> but um you've taken a load of deliveries of tickets with long ops yeah exactly and and or you know you're, you're batting on a road and, and you know scoring up 100 is, is worth less than, than than scoring you know 50 on a on a much more difficult track to bat on so so it's it, it creates an an extra element of data that they've got used to at the social level that hopefully you know my selection is one thing the hope is that it just makes players better um and my personal passion for this is is to for it to extend beyond the county game down into the the, the junior cricket where i think even without the data just the video you know it's 4k 120 frames per second exactly in line you know all the cameras on the boundary tend to they're either not in line or they often have the umpire in, in obscuring what you really want to see um so as a tool to enable players parents coaches to be able to to give quality feedback to to junior cricketers during the season because i think, I think it's probably more of a challenge to, to coach um juniors during the season than it is in, in during the winter when it's easier to have them one-on-one and they have the match so, so when do they actually get that, that that feedback and i think this actually provides a great opportunity to do that so that's paul hawkins founder of hawkeye and now founder of the ihawk as well and it's a great initiative actually which the ecb have very much backed and i suppose they look at it as a performance enhancement tool as much as it is an entertainment tool it's funny actually thinking back to the way hawkeye was invented i mean hawkeye actually was invented by paul hawkins to enhance the viewers enjoyment of the game and understanding of the game on channel four way back in 2000 and we never saw it or i guess we didn't initially see it as a, a tool for analytics and to improve the game but of course increasingly over time all the analysts now get uh, footage like that uh, from either Hawkeye provision if it's an international game or in some other way to get the data that they can then use to enhance performance to feed back to the players and some players love it some players hate it but there's no doubt that the Hawkeye generated data has transformed the game and I think somebody like Jimmy Anderson has benefited from it massively actually because you can really if you're that forensic as a bowler you can really apply this sort of data very effectively to to make your bowling you know more more dangerous or, or more potent in some way and work out where to exactly to bowl at, at certain batsmen. I wonder whether the, the the bowlers from Chennai Super Kings and the Rajasthan Royals, especially the Rajasthan Royals, wouldn't have necessarily wanted Hawkeye evidence of their last match. Oh, what an incredible game that was the other day, uh, yesterday actually, uh, in Chennai. 43 required off the final two overs, the inevitable MS Dhoni and Ravi Jadeja at the wicket for the CSK. And nothing is impossible now, is it, in IPL cricket especially. So they got 19 off Jason Holder's penultimate over and then the last over they needed 22 and they almost got there. Two incredible sixes by Dhoni over deep square leg and then finally five required off the last ball. And Sandeep Sharma held his nerve and bowled the perfect Yorker to the great Dhoni in his 200th IPL game. And he could only dig it out for a single. So the Royals got home by three runs and are top of the table. Anyway, I just thought I'd let you know about that innovation. Something to look out for over the next few weeks. There may be some footage generated that you can actually look at. And if, in fact, if you go to my Twitter feed at The Analyst, you'll see some examples of the iHawk at work in the first match of the season down at the Aegeus Bowl between Hampshire and Nottinghamshire. A couple of examples of how it's working. So innovation in cricket never stops, does it? 
After the break, we're going to hear from Ian Bell. Okay, well, as we speak, Ian Bell's Derbyshire batting charges haven't had a chance to have a go yet because Leicestershire, fresh from that amazing victory at Headingley, chasing 392, are running amok again uh, with the bat. 213 for two they are currently at the Grace Road ground, Leicester, which rather justifies Mickey Arthur, the Derbyshire coach's initial impression, uh, well, certainly from last year, that they struggled to take wickets. They struggled to bowl teams out, Derbyshire, and they've had that experience uh, in the first match and a half of this season so far. So uh, Ian Bell will be sitting waiting for the chance to see his charges have a bat when eventually they bowl Leicestershire out. Bell, of course, a fantastic ambassador for the game. He's been coaching now for some years since retiring, working with the England Lions, generally a a very handy advisor to have about the art of batting, having uh, had such an illustrious career himself and now embedded with Derbyshire. And he was out in Desert Springs uh, at the warm-up game in late March between Derbyshire and Hampshire. And I caught up with him just at the end of that trip because I wanted to talk to him about the choice of bats, the selection of bats, how to judge what is a good bat, knowing that you know lots of club players especially are about to embark on their season and maybe they need a new bat, but they don't know what to look for. So I talked to Bell about how he goes about choosing his own bats. I mean, certainly when I was younger and I was choosing a bat probably before professional the one thing that always drew me to a bat was probably the grain so I always used to like a really tight grain two-toned like the darker on one side lighter and that that was sort of my always go-to and I, that probably never changed actually when I became professional obviously then you start getting more bats and, and more options um so that was always the thing I mean, obviously pick up for me it wasn't necessarily the weight whether it was you know, I probably was in that two nine, two ten range. But again, whether it weighed two eleven but picked up really nicely, that was the thing. But I suppose the first was to look down. I always used to like looking down on the wicket. And certainly, the face of it, that sort of really tight grain and and, and two tone wood. Um, and then obviously when bats got started getting made in India and the consistency of bats became more well, they're just a lot more consistent. So like rather than. Um, Instead of looking at the grain, it was more about pickup and balance. But um, when that, you talk that was about nice. pickup, mm. you know what what determines a good pickup? Um, I don't know. You just know, don't you? I think it's a very personal thing. So that was the one thing. And I always believed in um, as a pro- I always couldn't never get my head around professionals as well. Um, I would always want to go to the factory and pick my bats up. I didn't want to let someone send me a bat because what they feel like is a good pickup to me is is different. And there were players that would just say, send me anything. And I, I was more very much willing to take the drive to the factory or the warehouse because, again, certainly as in the later in my career, a lot of the bats were made in India and sent over. So there was just lots and lots and lots of already made bats. But, um, um, yeah, I, I always wanted to go and pick it up. But, it, yeah, I think it's a very personal thing. And, again, sometimes when you're picking it up and you look down the back of it and, you know, some bats have a different feel, um, you know, the dimensions of them. But, again, I would what I would say these days as I think the quality of bat making in this country, but also in, in India has become so good. So the consistency of quality bats are a, a, a lot more. That, that is for sure. Do you know once you've got it, what, what, how do you know once you've got it, what um, it's like? I mean, you obviously can bounce a ball up yeah, and down on it. But... Yeah, I think, I mean, again, it depends on the pressing as well. So some bats I've had are quite hard to start, and especially when you're playing uh, you know, professionally in terms of, you know, Actually, and it's funny how the white ball will come off some bats slightly differently to the red one. So sometimes the harder pressed ones that were 
weren't great, were brilliant in white ball cricket. And then the ones, but I, for me, I was also actually through my career, I used to try and hang on to my number one as long as possible for red ball cricket and never net with it and just make sure it lasted as long as possible. And then in white ball cricket, I actually quite like using a brand, you know, a fresh bat because again, it might have been a little bit harder on the face, but it seemed to react better to the white ball. Um, but definitely my number one um, bat would always be saved uh, for a test match or, you know, a first class game of cricket and it probably wouldn't go in the nets. And that's how, again, you're very lucky as a professional to, to get looked after well and you get a number of bats and probably going through stages when you're in there, you're knocking a bat in or you're softening that face to, to then, you know, you're picking up your, your number one. And I said, sometimes it's just amazing when you do get that right bat, just that feeling of when you pick it up to the other bats you have, it just, it just feels a slight difference. And it's devastating when, when that one does finally, um, finally go when you have to move on. What was the longest a favourite bat lasted? It's um, a good question. I mean, again, because, again, I think the way bats are made now, and they are a lot bigger than maybe what they were, uh, you know, in your era, and, and also the when it started. I look back at some of the bats I had, when I, and they're very different, and obviously the moisture content. So the, the, the fact that they're so big now and light, and the, there's obviously a lot less moisture in there, so they don't last that long. That's why I think a lot of players, you ask them now, would never train or net with their number one. They just they just don't last long enough. Um, but I probably I look back now and probably think maybe I got through a season. But again, they would only be games, not 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 netting at all. And if you did both, yeah, sometimes like I said nowadays they probably don't last that long. And how many was the most you had at one time? Oh wow, I was a bit of a. You know, I you probably ask anyone at Warwickshire in my corner and stuff like that. But again, we're, sometimes we're very lucky and, and looked after incredibly well. I, probably had 12 in a corner at sometimes in a locker just I don't whether it was just me being a little bit fiddly and liking to I was a bit of a badger when it came down to all that kind of having the right grips and uh, and all that stuff and that's the other thing with the balance of a bat so I I sort of moved around from having and it, again it can be a feel from having two grips on one grip on um you know and, and that can have a massive impact on how a bat feels as well but yeah probably at one point probably had 12 but I always used to carry as well and, um was one of the half bats a training bat a thin thin bat which again, I used to try and net, certainly against spin as much as I can. Uh, and even early season in England, try and net with a thin one, just because if you can play and you, you know, you have to, positions have to be good and you have to be close to the ball. Um, so I'd always carry one of those with me. So if you include that, probably, yeah, there's, there's quite a number of bats I'd carry around. And, and presumably they were numbered as well, were they? Um, you had your number one yeah, five star yeah, or something yeah something definitely the number one would definitely have number one on it and then I'd be working out which one was number two over a period of time in the nets but yeah they'd definitely be um, identified pretty easy where what, where they were in the pecking order and you were trying to figure out which would be the number one I remember, I remember the story about Jonathan Trott that mm. he put his number one bat in the middle of a line of them because he, th- yeah. he said people always picked up the one on the outside yeah, and yeah. he didn't want that to be his I mean, favourite I, I was a bat badger and I loved my bats but I, I, my bats would be very much just in a bundle in a, and, yeah, and Trotty was particularly yeah, they'd have to be a Mac if you if you moved them an inch he would know uh, which was a bit extreme for me <laughs> but um, like I said I, again batsmen are different um, when it comes down to their equipment even my wife would say you know at home I'm, I wouldn't say I'm particularly the neatest person but when she came into the cricket ground and looked at my equipment and bats everything was just lined up immaculately but I didn't quite take that home as much well you know in a way that's a good thing isn't it because Mm. that was your your main tool Mm. and it shows how painstaking you Mm. were which I suppose reflected in the way Mm. you played actually absolutely I mean like you said at the end of the day it's your tool isn't it and what you do so you know for me I was always I mean preparation was really important to me and 
I know we're all different and, and it's funny getting into coaching as well now and understanding how people see things differently. But, you know, the day before a game, certainly a test match was really important in terms of my preparation, but just making sure everything was was absolutely done and, and ready so that when you came the next day, it was about competing, enjoying it and you, you knew everything was done. So I think you do get into that element of, um, uh, like you said, it's your your tools and your stuff and everything is to, you know, you, you get used to and into a bit of a rhythm of that and, and, and um, uh, it becomes a bit of a habit. Because I was the opposite, <laughs> yeah, as you probably might imagine. I, I had a plastic bag and, you know, threw my stuff all over the place. And, you know, it was a chaotic cricketer as a result. So, you know, you get what you plan for, I suppose, in a way. Um, so you're into bat making now, aren't you? Tell us about uh, that a bit. Not as much bat making, but uh, equipment, yeah. So I'm a part owner of a, of a cricket brand, uh, which is Neon Cricket, which is nice to actually give a bit of feedback. So it obviously allows me to probably a little bit of my... Um, know what I've gone through in my cricket career so I have a good say on uh, the pads we have the gloves we have uh, the style of that stickers um, and obviously the bat quality obviously ours aren't made in England as such at the moment so they, they come as many factories do obviously there's some still brilliant bat makers in England um, but we obviously get ours from from India um, all different weights and and, and um, you know and, and, and sizes we do a short short blade um, which is quite common now in the in the men's game as well and 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 the women's game is um having you know it's the same size from top to bottom but the handle can be a bit longer and you can get a little bit more weight in the short one so yeah it's quite interesting to you know obviously coaching is my passion and my love but being able to to do have a little input in 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 other areas is uh, is a bit of fun really yeah so so just imagine yourself as a club player you're about to start Mm. season you're going down to the local cricket shop which I know there aren't that mm. many of now mm. I know one particular one which is mm. good mm. I mean what I guess price would be something yeah yep. but after that you know what would be your principle yeah and again I think it's a balance and I know for, for us I mean we do you know obviously we have professionals that use our equipment and we're building again from being a smaller company we obviously want to become a mainstream company and that that you know we've got a strategy for that but the you know for me again it's just matter you don't I don't think club players you have to look at and and, and you know there are pro bats out there there'll be an A grade bat and there'll be a B grade bat and actually the performance for us as well in our bats you know the A grade and the B grade actually perform incredibly well you don't have to pay pro mm. bat prices and again I suppose when you're playing club cricket you know again the luxury we have as a professional is we are you know we probably could have like I said I could have from six to ten bats at any time so if one breaks no problem um, but as a professional and I think the I do think the um, the pressing of bats is is important. So actually, if a bat does start a little bit harder, and I remember, I mean, I remember as a, you know, as a kid, you have to knock the bat in for ages, and that's how your dad would tell you, and you'd oil it and everything like that. I mean, those days we've probably gone past a little bit, but I, I don't see it as a problem as a club player to have the bats a little bit hard to start because, you know, we don't want you don't want club players paying for two or three bats a season. You want it to last, don't you? In a lasted period of time, um, even though we want to sell as many as we can. But like I said, I, I see it from that. So. I know from our quality that you can you can pay the top dollar for a pro bat, but you could also go A grade and a B grade, which I I've, I've actually had a go within the nets and they perform incredibly well. I actually couldn't tell the difference between, you know, when there were blank stickers and no nothing on there, which would the difference certainly between the A grade uh, and the pro grade. Mm. And what's the origin of neon then as a name? It's actually quite um, good story. So Adam, uh, who who set neon up, it's actually a university study. It was basically building a company. He's obviously a very smart um, fella, and and yeah, it was, it was actually a university study about how he would set up a cricket band and going through this, and then it just carried on from there. Um, I actually did the bat testing with 
um, I think it was, was it with the Wiston and, and, and Cricketer. Yeah. And and um, it came from there. And then there was a bit of an introduction. I actually really liked the stickers on the day. And then we just started getting known. And then obviously from from then actually just started getting involved. So it's um, yeah, it's uh, that that's sort of how it started. But it really started actually as a as somebody's idea of how they would do their own cricket brand from university and, and it kept building and it, the momentum's been, you know, building, um, you know, quite strongly in, in the last couple of years. And, and like I said, the, the, the idea is to, to, is to go mainstream, but we want to be smart business-wise, not to go too hard too early, but keep building up, but also recognising that actually the important part of it is it's great having professionals and actually the important part, as we, we're talking about, is actually the club market. We want to produce a product that actually... Uh, is what club players like is what they you know from junior i mean my lad uh, who's who's just turned 10 who's in the warwickshire under 10s you know he well, i took him up there the other day i mean he's got his own bats gloves pad, like and, and the quality of the pads and the gloves is as good as the as the as the men's or the full size um section and that's what we want to be able to produce is a real range for um you know the women's game the men's game and every player and and and, and at a price that is 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 very reasonable, but the quality is uh, is as good as it can be. One little question about the season: You're the Derbyshire batting coach. Basball has obviously had a big impact. What are you noticing amongst the Derbyshire players, that, and what influence might it have on your coaching as well? Yeah, yeah, no, I think. And luckily, I was obviously I was away with the England Lions, so I got a real clarity, I suppose, about what that looks like I mean there's no doubt I think for the young players and, and the feedback to in, into county cricket is yeah, if you want to play for England there is a style that England want to play and, and Stokesy and McCullum will pick players who they feel will come in with that that style but I think the important thing for the players to know is that you've got to do it your way you know Harry Brook will do it his way um, Ollie Pope will do it his way and there's, there's a different style there's not to say that if you're different if you're not the same as those guys you can't make him play for England and I think the important thing of and I know Brendan doesn't in particularly enjoy the phrase basball, mm. but what I really get from it is you come in with a clarity and as a batter, you are looking to put pressure on the bowler. Not looking to survive or, or play cautiously. You are looking to put pressure. Now, that can still be defending, can be leaving. The running between the wickets can have intent. If the bad ball's there, you're constantly looking to put pressure on. There are times when you have to soak up pressure. And then the, when you've soaked that pressure up, which you have to in test cricket and first-class cricket, is how you reapply it back, whether that's... A spinner, and it's not just we're looking to bat four sessions, and we'll we'll leave balls, and we'll we'll hurt them in the foot. It is we are putting pressure on. I think that's the real clarity of the batting. I quite like the thought of that. And it's not just about you know playing aggressively, hitting sixes and fours. There are lots of ways to doing that. Uh, and then from a bowling point of view, it was really the intent to take wickets. You can still do that by bowling maidens, but being really clear on again, if it's a really flat wicket in Pakistan, like we saw England win now, they they were very different to how they're going to get wickets. Uh, in early season eight, uh, at Lords, so just a real clarity around that, and then I think with again the fielding, it was just a full energy to commit to every ball. You know, there's no lost cause in the field. You dive for everything, you chase everything down, and I think that's the simple Brendan McCullum basball scenario. I don't think again, it's uh, I think it's a really nice, simple way of doing it, and I think he fully supports and commits guys that buy into that. And if you're going to be aggressive and you take the right option, get it wrong, well next time get it right and there's no there's no comeback if you try and be you take the positive option with bat or ball and I think that's the the nice thing and it does look a nice environment if you were a player to go and play for I would have thought how how similar to to you is Ollie Pope 
Yeah, have you seen it? Yeah, no, no. Can I you see the similarities? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I don't, I've obviously got to know Oli, um, Ollie, sorry, um, a little bit. I mean, again, I don't know him particularly well and got a little bit of time when we were on our, our camp to the UAE in England. We're prepping for Pakistan. So I had a small little sample size talking to him and, um, and obviously watching him play. But it was obviously, no doubt, a very fine player and, and obviously had a bit of time as well with Harry Brook at, at Hobart Hurricanes and then seeing his development. So look, I think we're, we've got some very fine young players coming through uh, who obviously got a very high ceiling and, and hopefully over the next couple of years we're going to see them really kick on certainly with Oli um, you know there's a big summer batting at three again in Ash's year uh, but there's no doubt in terms of skill set uh, ability technique he, he has all the, all the opportunity or all the, all the tools that he needs to be a very successful test player yeah it's, it's, it's great to see isn't it and I, actually Mickey Arthur said to me only the other day he thinks English cricket at the moment is blessed with yeah. an amazing amount of talent. Yeah, I think we've seen it certainly for a while in white ball cricket. I think, um, you know, when you look at franchise cricket now, I think England, and we saw it actually when England beat Pakistan in a series, I think in the COVID sort of times where we, I think we lost the whole whole squad of first team players. And then I remember being at Edgebaston watching um, that side beat them and they beat them in that series, which again, I, I think it says a lot about the depth of white ball talent. And I think franchise cricket's had a lot of help for that exposing English players to subcontinent conditions in the IPL and PSL uh, where you know it's not uh, it's not a strange place for England players to go now and learn how to bat which I think has got a massive um, upside um, and our test cricket now I think is starting to again build uh, more depth we're probably having a little bit short of depth I think in the last probably a few years but I think it looks like we're starting to build more and if everyone can stay fully fit and Certainly in the bowling department with Joffre coming back and Ollie Stone and obviously we've got Broad Anderson who obviously uh, hopefully we have them as long as we possibly can. They've been obviously warriors for England. But yeah, it's starting to look like we've got a depth of bowlers that can can play. And again, if the batting lineup, and I think Harry Brooks obviously just has, has probably really uh, pushed that now. That the fact that we're sort of talking about where does Johnny Bairstow fit into that middle order now, which you know the year he had uh, was quite incredible, probably his best year with England in the, certainly in the Test matches. So I think that it's starting to show that the, the depth in red ball cricket is starting to appear. And, and the nice thing, being honest, Simon, as well, is that I've done, I've done a winter with the young Lions, so the England and 19s, and now the Lions. And I still believe, and the conversation I have with young players is that Test cricket is still the pinnacle. And I think hopefully, as long as that's still the case, where our next generation players still see Test cricket as the out-and-out out, um, best format, the format you want to be at, as well as it. And there's, don't get me wrong, T20 cricket is fun and... It's brilliant, but as long as they still see that, hopefully we've we've still got a future for that. And and obviously a lot of work to do with a lot of other countries around the world. We need to keep emphasising how important that is. And actually, probably some of the games I saw there's some comments the other day from Angelo Matthews. They want to play more. It's just figuring out how we can get them playing more and and looking after the best format of the game. Well, I'm sure some of those comments will be music to the ears of the traditional cricket fan. Those of you who are watching county cricket at the moment and love the four day and love the five day version, which of course I do as well. Uh, so Bell speaking beautifully there about the the best, the most original form of the game, if you like, and what an artist he was, wasn't he? I suppose he was a Renoir or something to Peterson's Picasso, uh, and just a, a gorgeous person to, to watch bat. And there is a, quite a lot of similarities with Ollie Pope, isn't there, in fact? And actually, you mentioned there about, or I mentioned actually, about uh, where to buy bats. I just want to mention one place which I've been to quite often and is a very good supplier, a specialist supplier of cricket equipment, Teddington Sports. You can go to www.teddingtonsports.co.uk and look at their 
online offerings or pop into the shop as well if you're in the southwest London area because they have got a fantastic range of equipment and they're really helpful and knowledgeable actually and the prices aren't too bad either so give that a go teddingtonsports.co.uk well that's it for today uh, have a look at my twitter feed at the analyst for those clips of iHawk uh, and see what you think we're going to continue the back conversation next week with two specialist suppliers who have interesting stories to tell about their presence in the bat making fraternity there are so many of them now and they all have different recipes and methods of, of making bats so plenty of choice available so more on this early next week in the meantime enjoy whatever cricket you're watching and thanks for listening Podcast Network.